0: are able for our gospel reading. Our gospel reading today is from Mark chapter 5 verses 21 through 43. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. And one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him to speak. My little daughter, You am gonna
1: Be seated. Today, it's a big day for me. Today is the day to celebrate. It is my first day with my appointment as a Methodist pastor, and I'm very grateful the bishop of the cabinet that they've appointed me to serve here at Aldersgate, um, and some of you might be wondering. Well, I thought you were already here. I thought you already were a pastor. Um, I know it it can get confusing in this whole process, uh, but I am starting a new appointment. Uh, many of you know I was just commissioned as a provisional elder um, at our annual conference a couple weeks ago, and so I guess that means you can call me Reverend now or You may want to call me preacher, I don't know. Um, But the good news is, it's a new appointment, I don't have any boxes to unpack or trucks to unload. Um, I'm praising God for that, especially in the heat. Um, But Carly and I feel so welcome, and at home here at Aldersgate, I'm thankful to be here with you all, and it's an honor and privilege to share God's Word with you this morning. But... Having said all this about, you know, b- being a pastor, I to say it's something that never crossed my mind as a kid. When people asked me what I wanted to be, I would always say, I, I want to be a professional baseball player. <laughs> that was my passion, playing first base, um, enjoying the, uh, the dog days of summer on the field. But as I got older, what I really wanted to be was a doctor. And, you see, my dad was a doctor, and I looked up to him so much. I, I think we've got a picture um, there of my dad. That's, that's me and my dad <laughs> when, when I was ki- a kid. I looked up to him so much. I didn't see what he did every day, but I knew that he loved his job and that he got to take care of people, and he helped to make people feel better, um, and it seemed like a great job, and... One of the cool things about it, he he got time to spend with us, and he would find these conferences that were conveniently like in places like Myrtle Beach. So he would br- just bring the whole family, um, spend the morning with some uh, meetings, and then the rest of the day with us, and he got to call at work. It was kind of cool. <laughs> um but I remember the first day I had my doubts about being a doctor. I was in fifth grade, we had reached the culmination of uh, one of our science projects, and we had a special treat in store. It was, we had the um, privilege, or some people had the dread of dissecting pig lungs. And I don't know why you know, they thought this was a good idea. Apparently it would teach us more because um, this was very similar to what the human body was like. <laughs> Sounds like a brilliant idea. Get a bunch of fifth graders in a room and just have them uh, dissect big lungs. But my dad was a doctor and he was an expert on the human body so he came in and volunteered to help us and to guide us through the process. And I remember being in his group. He was you know, explaining everything and I can't remember exactly what we did. I think I blocked it out of my memory, but I just know that they, they gave us a straw and told us to blow and be sure not to suck, suck in. Um, that's, that's when my appetite left me. I mean, I wanted to impress my dad. I wanted to impress my classmates. I didn't want to be embarrassed, but as soon as I picked up the straw to blow, my face just went white, I just, I had to leave, I, I, I left the room, I, I, I couldn't be there, um, and I was only in fifth grade, but I knew that I would have trouble being a doctor if I, if I couldn't handle this. Um, but you know, I still kind of held on to this dream, um, even in my sophomore year of high school, my favorite subjects were math and chemistry, I spent a summer uh, for a month at Governor's School for the Sciences. I wanted to prepare myself for those killer organic chemistry classes I knew were coming up on the pre-med track, Um, but something changed for me that summer, and I didn't know at the time that it had anything to do with my career, but I can only describe it as God's call on my life. I had always grown up in church, but that summer God transformed me in a way that I would never be the same. I had the opportunity to go uh, on a mission trip to Guadalajara, Mexico, and while we were there, we were able to lead a vacation Bible school for kids and work on some construction projects in the community. But more than anything we did or any impact we had, um, that was nothing in comparison to the change that God worked in my heart and my life. God filled me with a new sense of joy, um, community, and And life that gave meaning and purpose. And when I returned from the trip, I was hungry to learn more about God and connect more um, with my church and with my youth group. And I could spend a whole hour telling you the full story about how this um, hunger to know God turned into a full-blown call to ministry. Um, It's a process that lasted many years. But to sum it up, I've continued to follow Jesus, to obey his call in my life to seek the joy that only Jesus can bring. Um, I've always been captivated by the Gospel of John and by God's intention for our lives expressed there. Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. He also says, I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Encountering and knowing Jesus has shown me what it is means to have abundant life. And that's the question before us in our text today. Where do we find life? What are the things that keep us going just another day? Imagine there was some medicine that could heal all of your illnesses, that could cure all of your disease, that could satisfy your deepest longings for what you want your life to look like. Wouldn't you do everything you could to find that medicine and to take it within your soul. In our passage today, we hear stories of two different people who find this medicine for life and the healing touch of Jesus. These healing stories are miracles, they're incredible, but it's not like magic. They receive healing because of their faith in Jesus and the power of Jesus' presence and touch. We first hear the story of a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years. She had seen every doctor imaginable. She searched up and down the list of specialists and investigated every diagnosis. I'm sure if she were living today, she would have spent days on WebMD, um, scouring the internet, trying to find any possible clue of of what it was. I know they tell you not to do that, but... um, the, the medical bills were starting to pile up. She had spent every last dime she had, and she didn't know how she was just going to get by at this point. And if this wasn't bad enough, um, she was considered ritually unclean because of her bleeding. She couldn't worship in the synagogue. Um, nobody wanted to interact with her or touch her. And she, um, she's at the end of her rope. She's in a moment of desperation and so she hears about Jesus and she believes if only I could reach out and touch the cloak of Jesus I would be healed. Many of us here today know that sense of desperation and if we ourselves haven't been desperate for healing one of our family members certainly has and we all have something in our lives that longs for healing and restoration. It could be physical, spiritual, psychological, or interpersonal. I wonder what is that place in your life that needs the healing touch of Jesus? There was a story that just came out this week about Nick and Tory Foles, and if you're a football fan, you know about Nick Foles. He's the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles and most recent Super Bowl MVP and the story that came out this week was actually not about Nick but his wife Tori and the fight for her health that most people didn't really know about Um, in fact while he was in the Pro Bowl in 2013 um, Tori couldn't even be there with him. she was stuck in Texas um, barely able to get out of bed um, because of her symptoms she was always healthy in college. Um, she played volleyball, she ran often, she was active. Um, one day she was at a concert with friends and all of a sudden she felt dizzy, like she was gonna pass out. And so she knew something was wrong and she went to the doctor. The doctor said, you know, I think, I think you have a virus. Um, and she said, you know, I've never heard of a virus that makes you feel this way, um, like I can't get out of bed. And so she kept searching, um, she remembers Going to a cardiologist who told her, you know, you're young and healthy, you're in perfect condition. Um, I think it could be just depression or anxiety, that that might be it. Um, And she recalled going back later to the same doctor insisting on further tests because she knew something was physically wrong with her. And after uh, more tests and more doctors, she finally discovered that she had something called Postural Orthostatic Tachycardic Syndrome. It's a mouthful, but you can um, it's also known as POTS for short and POTS, it's a malfunction of the autonomic nervous system, um, which controls uh, your breathing, digestion, um, blinking, and the most common systems are profound fatigue and constant dizziness. Um, Often you know, it's it's misdiagnosed. The symptoms can go unexplained. Um, Many patients find that um, they're told their symptoms were just psychological or all in their head. Um, The frustrating part is that there's not really any known treatment or medication that can um, cure this disease. Mostly it's just lifestyle changes like drinking a lot of water, um, compression socks, eating lots of salt. It's hard to know when, um, when you'll feel better. And I know just how frustrating it can be to go from doctor to doctor, specialist to specialist, um, trying to find out what's wrong. Uh, this story about Nick and Tori was so moving for me because it's exactly the same struggle that, um, Carly and I have been through over this last year. And I can remember being with Carly in the doctor's office for tests and, um, they were monitoring her heart rate and noticed that as soon as she stood up, her heart rate would shoot up by 30 or 40 beats per minute. Um, and she felt like she couldn't stand. And they um, they knew something was seriously wrong and decided to admit her immediately to the hospital. Um, and we, were, we were scared. We didn't know what this was. Um, we knew it was, was serious, and we were desperate for some solution. And the hardest part for me was knowing that I, I couldn't do anything. Um, Help, and um, it was hard to see her suffer through this. But we we tried to make the best of it. I think I have a picture um, of us during that time. Um, we certainly encountered God's grace um, in many ways um, through prayers and support, and um, and family and friends. Carly and I. Um, can relate to this woman in the story the desperation to find a cure and i know that we're certainly not the only ones many of you too have been through a health crisis um, i know that you can relate with this woman as well this woman in this story it's it's amazing she finds healing finds healing in Jesus. Um, The story even goes on from there. Um, Not only is her physical life transformed, but also her whole person is acknowledged. Um, She was a social outsider, but Jesus stops in the crowd and he recognizes that the power has left him. So he meets this woman face to face. This woman, she knows what's happened, she feels better, but she comes and trembling and falls down at the feet of Jesus and she tells him the whole truth. Um, And Jesus tells her daughter, he calls her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And I think there's more here than just physical healing. Um, It's a miracle enough that her bleeding stops, but Jesus addresses her as a full person. Jesus gives time and attention to somebody who would normally be overlooked. Not only does he notice her, he calls her daughter. He allows this woman to touch him, someone who was unclean according to society. This woman now was seen and known and heard and she was able to be vulnerable and open. I think that was healing too. The word here used for healing, it's the same word used for salvation. In fact, it's, it's hard to distinguish the two, health and salvation. I think there's more to healing than just our physical well-being, and I think there's more to salvation than just our spiritual lives. Healing, salvation comes from a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, from a touch of His healing presence. We hear about another character in this story. Um, someone who is the, very, the social opposite of this woman, Jairus, who is the leader of the synagogue. He's an authority in the community. He's well-known. Um, but they both share the same desperation. He also falls at the feet of Jesus. And, and both are made whole through the touch of Jesus. Jairus' daughter is healed. And these stories give us hope for healing, but they also make us wonder what happens when healing doesn't come. I mean, this story of a child being given new life, it's incredible. Parents should never have to face the reality of their child struggling to survive. Sadly, we know there are just as many stories about people who make it through as those who don't. And it doesn't matter what their prayer life looks like. So what do, we, what do we do with that? I don't know. It's hard. I do know that healing comes in ways sometimes that we don't expect. But I do think it's amazing that when Jesus tells this young girl to rise up, it's the same word that's used to describe the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. I think it's telling us that no matter what the outcome, we worship a God of resurrection. That same resurrection power is at work within us, within our lives. That no matter what the outcome is, we will experience healing and salvation. Whether it's here in our earthly life or the life to come. Physical touch, is powerful and the touch of Jesus changes lives and we may be wondering you know how can we experience the touch of Jesus today I mean these people were physically there with Jesus Um, how do we experience the touch of Jesus I know that Christ has changed my life through his healing touch I pray that you might experience that same healing that comes from knowing Jesus One of the main reasons I'm standing before you today is because of the meal that we're about to share. Um, The longer that I've been a Christian, the more this meal has come to mean for me. I believe that one of the primary ways we encounter Jesus is through this meal of holy communion. John Wesley described this as a converting ordinance, meaning that we encounter the presence of Christ and our weak faith can be strengthened and we can be made whole by eating this spiritual food Ignatius of Antioch was an early bishop of the church in the first century and he called this meal the medicine of immortality the medicine of immortality I've been struck by the saying let food be your medicine or medicine will become your food. we ever thought about food as medicine? Food and life do go hand in hand. We have to eat to live. And food brings life in so many other ways beyond just calories. I think it's interesting that at the end of the story today, Jesus raises the young girl the new life and the first thing he, he does is he tells them to get, a, get her something to eat. <laughs> I'm sure If Jesus was here today, he would have said, get this girl some fried chicken, mac and cheese, green beans, banana pudding, and while you're at it, why don't you throw in a cookout (laughs) milkshake? Food and life. In this meal that we're about to partake, Christ is present in a mysterious but very real way. And Jesus tells us, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life we're able to taste and see the goodness of God and here we encounter abundant life. I don't know where you need healing or what part of your life needs restoration but I pray that as you come to the table as you reach out your hands that you would feel the touch of Jesus. I pray that you would see him face to face, that as you eat this food, that you would experience his love and grace in a new and powerful way that leads to abundant life, both now and always. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.